Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts, and as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. I hope you're well. It was, uh, it was a challenging weekend in some respects, but, um, you know, some things to definitely talk about. And uh, when we talk about this LSU game, I think it's important to kind of, you know, we're kind of talking about this over at jeanspage.com today on the message boards. Kind of got a spirited discussion going on over there. If you hadn't joined that, please come by and check a look, take a look and be a part of that. But uh, it's a team loss. There were deficiencies and mistakes every single unit, whether it be special teams, defense, offense, uh, so we're going to break all that down today, and uh, but it is absolutely a team loss. And it's one of those things, too, you look at. I don't think most people would look at this and say, you know what, LSU's a better football team than Mississippi State. The scoreboard would say otherwise because they scored more points, and ultimately that's part of the game. That's why you play the game, to score the points. I'm not a, a moral victory guy by any stretch. We let a ball game get away that we should have won. We let a ball game get away when we were the better team. And our miscues for the second straight week allowed an opponent who was outplayed to win a ball game. That is on us. 
That is on our coaches. That's on our players. We got to coach better. We got to play it better. There's some things that happened in the ball game, some mistakes by players, and you say, you know what? That's on coaching. And the reality of it is, that's correct. And so, if you know, if you've tuned in today thinking I'm here to make excuses for the Bulldogs, I'm not. You know, as a guy that lived in Baton Rouge for 16 years, maybe playing always used a little more personal to me. And uh, we let them off the hook. We did. I thought we had some great wrinkles and some some innovation on offense that uh, really gave them a lot of trouble. And, and listen, Ed Orgeron said for a year, hey, we've been game planning for Mississippi State for a year. I didn't think they played very well against us defensively. I thought it boiled down to us and our own lack of execution at times. But at the end of the day, I think offensively we played well enough to win the football game. I think at times defensively we dominated. And you, you say, well, you know, a couple plays here and there. Well, those plays count. Every play counts. And that's the thing, too, it's so disappointing. I've heard Tavest Calhoun say this. You know, you go out there and you play 65 plays on offense and uh, you give up three, three big plays, you've had a bad day as a DB. And that's how you have to look at it. You know, we're always talking about progress over perfection. You know, I don't know that we had to play perfect against LSU. We had to play well. We almost played well enough to win. And I think in many respects we did, but we didn't win. It's frustrating. It's frustrating for me. It's frustrating for you. But I didn't wake up mad Sunday. I woke up disappointing. I woke up mad last Sunday because Memphis is not nearly as good a team as Mississippi State. And, yeah, we had the, the, the call, but it, it, it shouldn't have boiled down to that. It did. But this past Sunday I thought, you know, we're a good football team. We don't always play like it, but we're a good football team. You go back and think about some of the teams and some of the games that we've had, you kind of in comparison, you can say, you know what, we are, we are a good team. We just got to find a way to make the crucial play. I think Mike Leach kind of hit it on, on the nail, hit the, 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 hit the nail on the head with his postgame comments is, you know, sometimes we go out there just kind of hoping for something good to happen rather than expecting something good to happen. And there are times on offense, you know, that everything just seems to come so tough for us. And part of that, too, is the fact that people are going to methodically play a lot of drop eight coverage. are going to force us to just kind of drive the ball down the field. There's not going to be the big plays. And I know, I know a lot of people say, well, I don't understand why we don't take a shot. Well, we don't take a shot because it's not there. That defense is designed to keep you from going over the top. You throw it up for grabs – you're going to get the ball picked off. And that happened on an important drive early in the ball game. And so if you came here looking for me to make excuses, you're going to be disappointed. If you came in here for me you know, thinking I'm going to say what a bad team we are, you're going to be disappointed as well. There are things we can do better. We outplayed LSU on Saturday, and we gifted them some points, and ultimately it cost us the football game. And while we are a good football team, we are not good enough to give away points and expect to win. We're just not there yet. You know, I began to think about, you know, we talk about, oh, I hadn't seen any progress. And I think, I think we're just being short-sighted when we say those kind of things. You haven't seen any progress. If you can't see that Will Rogers is playing better, then you just don't want to. Now, if you can't see that Will Rogers can play even better, then maybe that's a problem too. Will will tell you that he needs to play better. But let's just go back and look here at a couple scores here. I, I just want to go back a couple years here. You know, let's go back to 2018. All right, you know, that was the big thing. We got off to the 3-0 start, and we thought, hey, you know what? Maybe this Joe Moorhead thing's going to work out. 
you know, we blast Stephen F. Austin. You know, Nick Fitzgerald was uh, suspended for the game. Keaton Thompson ties an SEC record for touchdowns responsible for. Then we go to Manhattan, Kansas. We beat Kansas State. Not a great Kansas State team. But it's a power five win on the road. We'll take it, right? Then we schemed ULL to death and beat them 56-10. We're thinking, you know what? We got this, man. Got a really good chance, man. We got this elite defense. Got a great play caller. Some good things are going to happen. Then we go to Kentucky and put up seven points against a good Kentucky team. I'm not taking anything away from it. That was a good team. Benny Snell, those guys, had some NFL guys that were leaders on that team. We put up seven points, and they weren't an elite defense. The next week, we come home, we're thinking, okay, well, maybe we're looking ahead to Florida. We got the big Mullen Bowl coming back. We put up six points. Six. Defensively, we were outstanding. We put up six points. And if you recall, the, the game's, uh, you know, the decisive play in that ball game, you know, was a double pass where they, you know, we have Jonathan Abram had to leave the ball game. We'll be banged out. We bring in a walk-on safety, and Dan Mullen takes full advantage. We get beat. Cost us a ball game. A week later, we go to Auburn and get beat 23 to 9. Excuse me. We're here. We get beat 23 to 9. Then we go to Baton Rouge and get beat 19 to 3. So for four consecutive weeks in SEC play, we scored in the single digits. Had a national championship caliber defense, and we basically were an FCS offense in league play. AM comes in. We beat them 28 13. Nick Fitzgerald, a good ball game, puts the game away late. Nice little quarterback run there. And it kind of righted the ship in many respects. We knew we weren't a great offensive team, but we still found a way to win. And we blast Louisiana Tech. We think, okay, maybe we're good. We go to Tuscaloosa and get beat 24 nothing. Then we get Arkansas here, and uh, Joe Moorhead beat Chad Morris unmercifully 52-6. And then we, we beat Ole Miss 35-3. And that's when you had the infamous uh, – popping off comment from Joe, you know, about Ross Bjork. And I think at that point, people said, you know what, we're going to be okay. You know, we closed out the regular season winning four out of five. As bad as we were offensively in the middle stretch, we won four of the last five. And the long loss is to Alabama. And that was a 24 nothing game. It wasn't like they beat us, you know, 51 to nothing. We were competitive for a while. Had some calls not go our way. But, you know, offensively, we, we kind of – we found some traction late. So let's go to 2019, year two of Joe Moorhead. And, of course, uh, you know, Nick Fitzgerald is gone. We bring in Tommy Stevens. We go down there. We beat UL Lafayette 38-28. But it was a struggle. It was. Give those guys some credit. We beat Southern Miss 38-15. Tommy Stevens opens that game with a pair of touchdown passes, as pretty as you'll see. He takes that shot to the shoulder, has an AC joint separation that lingers the rest of the year. We, we lose to Kansas State, had a chance to win that ball game. The big kickoff return was, you know, really to play to turn that thing around. Garrett Schrader starts against Kentucky. We win that ball game 28-13, but again, we were far from an uh, offensive masterpiece. We go to Auburn and get absolutely destroyed. Scored a couple touchdowns late to kind of make it look better than it really was. We go lose to a very, very, very mediocre Tennessee team in Knoxville. Really turned their season around. Ten points. If we start Garrett Schrader in that game, we probably win. Tommy Stevens absolutely imploded there at Neyland Stadium. LSU comes up here, beats us 36-13. And, again, you know, that was a really good LSU team. Remember, they won a national championship that year. We go down to College Station, get beat 49-30. Just absolutely couldn't stop them. I thought it, honestly, I thought this is probably the worst game we played all year was that game at College Station. Made Kellen Mond like a Heisman candidate. 
We go back to Arkansas. Uh, Garrett Schrader didn't play that game. Tommy Stevens absolutely lights Arkansas up. Colin Hill with a big game, 54 points. And, again, I don't know what it was between Joe Moorhead and Chad Morris, but uh, Joe always ran a score up on Arkansas. In that ball game there, we could have scored an 80 if we wanted to. Then we lose to Bama 38-7, beat Abilene Christian 45-7, beat Ole Miss 21-20. And, again, that's a ball game too. You know, we're, we're up about to put that game away and just didn't have the killer instinct. And give Ole Miss some credit. You know, they could have laid down. They didn't. They came back and uh, had the big comeback late. Really, that game should have been over. It wasn't. Give Matt Corral some credit. Hit a big throw to Braylon Sanders to extend the ball game. And you know what happened next. And then we go up and we're unprepared against uh, Louisville in a Music City Bowl. But offensively, you know, again, you look at the, uh, you know, the second half of the year, you start doing some things better offensively. Now, granted, some of that's a quality competition. So let's go to 2020, first year under Mike Leach. First year under Mike Leach. We bring in K.J. Costello, you guys are well aware of that, you know, a guy that we expected to uh, be a difference maker for us, considered by many to be uh, one of the top two quarterback transfers in the country. And he looked the part against LSU, 44-34. And you guys remember we had, uh, you know, about three, three, three or four turnovers in that ball game that were just inexplicable. We should have absolutely routed the Tigers. They couldn't stop us. And, and Ed Orsron knew that. Ed Orsron knew that there were some uh, plays that we left on the field that, that, you know, the score was not truly indicative of how well Mississippi State played. Then we get Arkansas here, 14 points against a pretty mediocre Arkansas team. We go to Kentucky. We don't even score an offensive point. We get 14 points against A&M. One of those a pick six from Emmanuel Forbes. We get shut out by Alabama. So for, you know, for, what, four weeks there, you have, what, two offensive touchdowns? That's right. I think that's right. Throw Three offensive touchdowns in four weeks. That'll get you beat. And so, you know, you look at that, you say, well, you know, how are we going to do down the stretch? We put Will Rogers in the starting lineup against Vanderbilt. We go down and score those first few drives. But, you know, we didn't handle second-half adjustments well, but we ended up winning that game thanks to Marquis Spencer making a big pick late to kind of give us some room. Then we go to Georgia and really controlled that ball game up until the fourth quarter. You know, we looked to be the better team. I mean, it was a shocker. A lot of – remember we went down there with 49 players dressed – our 49 traveled and only 46 dressed. And we give up a couple plays deep just because of the fact that we're playing third-teamers at safety. But offensively, against one of the best defenses in the country, we scored enough points to win a ball game. And then, of course, the Egg Bowl, you know, again, similar situation. You know, offensively, we played pretty well at times. Didn't play real well defensively. And, again, a lot of it was because of deficiencies in the secondary. We get Auburn. That's a 17-10 ball game late. And then Martin Emerson gets uh, is playing press coverage. He's supposed to be in cloud. They give up a big touchdown there. Puts the game away. But, again, offensively, just the 10 points. Then we got rolling again against Missouri. He went and put up 51. And then, of course, we win the, uh, the Armed Forces Bowl. But, you know, we had these lapses in offense, you know, last year that uh, you know, kind of really showed up against some teams that weren't even maybe elite defenses. You know, look at this year. You know, look at our, our point totals. You know, it's 35, 24, 29, and 25. You know, most games, that should be enough to win. It's become a more offensive game, this college football thing. You know, but we're not having these, um, you know, these full games where we have inconsistency. What's happening is we're having these one or two quarters a game 
where we're inconsistent, we shoot ourselves in the foot. And that was really the case, you know, on Saturday against LSU. Same situation. Despite the fact that we really kind of dominated a game in many respects, we weren't able to close the game out. I just want to throw some numbers at you, too, just in case you hadn't looked at this. We lose the ball game 28-25. Mississippi State, 29 first downs, LSU 15. We had 10 rushing first downs. They had six. We had 18 passing. They had eight. And then, of course, one per penalty. And the one they had was a killer. So we run for 115 yards. They run for 63. And begin to think about this for a second. We held NC State to 32 yards, LSU to 63. So two Power 5 opponents combined didn't run for over 100 yards against Mississippi State defense. We made them one-dimensional. We did what we thought we needed to do defensively. We just had a couple plays that really killed us. And LSU actually ran the football more than we did. 27 rushes, we ran 26. We averaged 4.4 yards a carry. In the first half, we were right right at 7 yards a carry. They were running that three-man front. We basically ran them out of that. It's pretty crazy to think about. All right, passing-wise, 17 of 27 for one touchdown for LSU. We were 47 of 62 for one. They threw for 280. We threw for 371. Total offense. We had nearly 500 yards of offense in a ballgame against one of the elite programs in the country. Is this a great LSU team? Absolutely not. Are they a good team? Yeah, they're a good team. They're not a really good team. It's a beatable LSU team. And we pretty much marched up and down the field. We outgained them by 143 yards. And then we lose the ball game. The punting aspect of it, we actually did a better job against them even with the punt. We only punted three times. They punted five times. We averaged 43.7. They averaged 39.4. Sometimes football doesn't make sense, man. They did a good job. Five kickoffs, all five of them touchbacks. Told you guys on the show last week, that was, that's the neutralizer for Tulu Griffin. It's just put the ball in the end zone. Kick it out of the back of the end zone. Time of possession, Mississippi State 35-08, LSU 24-52. They were only 5 of 13 on third down. We are one of the best third down teams in the country. We're 12 of 18 on third down. If if you had found out, hey, State's going to be able to do this, you'd be like, you know what, we win the ball game. So if you hear these statistics, you think, man, Mississippi State played really well against LSU. Then you look at the scoreboard and you're like, wait a minute, how did they lose? We're about to talk about that. We're about to talk about how Mississippi State lost this ballgame. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show. Great people, great food, great prices, great atmosphere, great portions. That's really the headline there, the great portions. You get great food and you get a lot of it. There's a lot of people out there, you know, trying to cut back a little bit. You know, times are tough. Even in the restaurant industry, the supply chain is uh, very fragmented. So a lot of people are trying to charge you the same amount of money for less food. Not Bulldog Burger Company. Nope. The same consistent service and quality of food you've always grown to expect right there available. At three great locations right here on University Drive in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and of course the brand new one, Lake Harbor Drive there in Ridgeland. A lot of great reports about that. Not the least bit surprised. This is, this is a group of people that understands what it takes to feed folks. This is a group of people that understands the quality that you expect in a dining experience. Go by and check them out today. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's break down the game. I probably shouldn't have done this yesterday. I I just, you know, because I was, I wasn't mad, but I was just so disappointed. 
I was just so disappointed because I was I told myself, you know, if we win this ball game, we beat LSU, we're three and one, you know, we're we're really back on track and we've got a little margin for error. Because I think a lot of people thought that LSU game may have been winnable, but probably couldn't pull themselves early in the season to think this is a win. Especially after we lost to Memphis, a lot of people didn't expect us to play LSU tough. I saw some people projecting a blowout. I never thought it would be a blowout because I think LSU is very limited offensively without the threat of a running game. John Emery, of course, there was some discussion. He may get cleared in time for the game. He did not. Not sure what to expect on that, but that's no longer a problem for us. That's somebody else's issue. And you know what? Was considering some of the teams they're going to play, you know, maybe they'll get him back and get this thing going. But um, he did not play against us. So let's uh, let's get into this. We won the toss. And we elect to receive again. And again, we get going. We get a great first drive right out of the gate. We're complete to Makai Polk for five across the middle out to the 25. Then we're back to Malik Heath, who is really beginning to emerge from Mississippi State. Big physical guy. If you don't get a good, if you don't get a good bump on him coming off the line, you're in trouble. So 13 yards there for him. We go back to, to Marks on a great inside handoff off the left side, if I'm not mistaken. And Marks goes for 14 yards. We're already out to the 43. Then we're complete to uh, excuse me. That gets us. That gets us across midfield. And it's complete to Malik Heath for five, which brings up a second five. We run Marks, and now we're at the LSU 38. Brings up a third and four. Will Rogers throws it out to Malik Heath, who has the first down. Trying to do more, and again, I'll, I'll, some bad things happened. I'm never going to judge a guy for trying to make a play for his team. But it was an unfortunate situation. Malik Heath fumbles at the LSU 30. They return it uh, back to the state 35. That was a huge, huge play. You know, we're going in right there. Even if we just get a field goal here, you get the lead, kind of get the defense going. Um, just, you know, really an unfortunate situation. Really, really, really changed the early complexion of this ball game. But we were able to overcome it in many respects. LSU, of course, takes over to our 35. They run for no yards. Big Cam Young, who's playing well for Mississippi State, kind of an unsung hero on that defensive front. Cam Young getting out of there making a big play. Then it's complete to Jack Bash for nine yards, brings up a third and one, and what do we do? We stone them again. Again, Cam Young and Fred Peters from Columbia High School. They hit Johnson, hold him for no gain on the quarterback sneak. And then they decide to go for it on fourth and one. They get it. And, again, that's a statement play for Orgeron. That's him telling his offensive line, who, who I really thought didn't look like an LSU offensive line. They really didn't. They're not an impressive-looking group. And you can kind of see what they're struggling a little bit. They're just not as athletic as they have been. But that's that Orgeron saying, hey, listen, we're in plus territory. Let's go make a statement. They do. They get the first down. Complete to Brian Thomas for nine yards to the state 14. Second one, they go with uh, you know, Davis Price. So I, I thought he ran pretty hard. He didn't have a good game, but I thought his effort was there. He gets a first down here at the MSU 12. They're complete to Butte. We snuff it out, did a really good job there. I thought Aaron Belay and Emmanuel Forbes both really ran the football well here. Then they're complete to, uh, incomplete to Butte and Randy Charlton all over, all over Johnson. Brings up a third and nine. We bring the house. I want to say we brought six. We might have even brought seven. And give Johnson credit, he steps up and throws a strike to Butte for a touchdown. That's how close this game is sometimes. You know, one a half second longer, he's on the ground. You know, you gamble there and it doesn't work out. You're trying to force a quick throw. You're trying to force a field goal attempt. And to give Johnson credit, he made a big league throw there. Gives LSU a 7-0 ball game, and again, there's a touchback. 
We come back out the next drive. This was not one of our better drives of the ball game. We still moved the change a little bit. Uh, Marks runs for five. Marks runs for six, gives us a first down out of the 36. We're incomplete to DJ. Then we're complete to Marks, who gets two. Then we're back to DJ for five, and he's short of the sticks. And with linebackers playing in that, you know, in cloud coverage, they were determined to make us throw the ball underneath and then run and make a tackle. And, uh, you know, in order to make a, break a big play, you're going to have to break a tackle or two. We weren't able to do it here. We end up punting, and uh, Archer Trafford does a pretty good job here. Gets it out at the 19. We'd like to have a little more length there. It's only a 38-yard punt. Directional punt as it was, but uh, we'd like a little more length there. But the defense makes it stand up. They take over at their 19. Connor runs for a one-yard loss. Aaron Odom, who's beginning to make some plays for us, too. And that's a guy, too, we had some high expectations of. And he, he hadn't necessarily kind of lived up to those. And this year he is beginning to be a contributor for Mississippi State with that second-team defensive front. Johnson complete to former Mississippi State commitment, uh, Deion Smith, for a dozen yards out to the 30. And then Goodwin runs for a two-yard gain. Aaron Odom again with the tackle. Nate Watson also in there making some things happen. Incomplete to Butte. And, and who's in his face? Cam Young. Cam Young in there getting the quarterback hurry. And then incomplete to Deion Smith. They end up punting. We get the ball at our 37, so we've got a really good field position here. Now it's time to go do something with it. So we do put a pretty good drive together here. Um, we're not able to finish, and that's really the issue, right? So we're, we're complete to Tulu for three. They talked about getting him a little more involved in the, in the offense. He did play a little bit more. Didn't have as many touches as I would like to see. But um, you come out there, you get it to him. And it's like that. people have kind of picked up on these uh, slip screens that we run you know, the wide receivers. We're starting to see a lot more traffic. I think people maybe recognize some of the formations there. But uh, be that as it may, we go back to Dylan Johnson uh, for a one-yard game. Brings up a third and six. And what do we do? We find Tulu across the middle there. Battled through a tackle from Devonta Q. Strong, former Mississippi State commitment, Devonta Q. Strong for the first down. Then LSU jumps offside to give us the first and five. We're already at the LSU 44, and you're thinking, yeah, let's go, let's go and put this thing in. We've already converted a possession play. Let's go make some things happen. We run DJ for four, and then come right back with 10, gives us the first down. First and 10 at the LSU 30. And one thing I'd like to say, too, we've talked at times, you know, Marks would have a good game, DJs would have a good game. I think both of those guys have played exceptionally well the last couple of weeks. That's a tandem right there because of the, because of the facts that Marks – is a guy that is running with so much more power. And then DJ is a little more elusive and uh, has always been kind of a power guy. We've got a pretty good tandem there. You're watching those guys grow up together is going to be awfully interesting. And the fact that we gave them more of an opportunity to carry the football, I thought really kept OSU on their heels. They were in that three-man front. We were like, okay, cut's cool. If you're going to give us those four or five yards, we're going to take them. We took full advantage of it, uh, you know, for a while. We really did. And so, uh, you know, we come back again. It's, uh, it's first and... 10 at the LSU 30, and we're back to Tulu. So that's three touches for Tulu on the drive, all three of them for positive gains. Brings up a second five at the LSU 25. We don't have to panic here. You know, and memory serves me correct, we had a crossing route wide open. I think what happens here with Will Rogers, I think Will has kind of got a predetermined read. It's like, okay, I got the look that I want. This is where I'm going to go with the football. And I don't know if it's a situation where we just underthrew it there, but we kind of, you know, we hung it up for grabs there. We get picked a little bit impatient there, if I would say. I think that's the one play I look back with Will Rogers. And, of course, we can pick apart everything. There's all things that happen in the ballgame. This was a decision. 
it was not a good one. Now, and you can say, well, the decision's bad because we had to pick. Well, exactly. I just don't think you have to take that shot, you know, in a 7 nothing ball game when you're already at their 25 and you haven't had a negative play on the drive. We had the juice, and I think we had them confused a little bit, and we gifted them a possession there. So now it's LSU 7 nothing with the football. And again, defense comes out and does some good things. They run for three. And then they finally get loose for their one big gain of the day, an 18-yard gain. Then they run for six. Brings up a second four. Cam Young again in the backfield forces the incompletion. That ends the quarter. And you're thinking, okay, you know, they've had a couple runs here. Let's go ahead and get some things done. Well, we do. On third and four, they elect to test Emmanuel Forbes with Keishon Butte. Forbes breaks the pass up. He was covered all the way. This is a situation where Johnson's just trying to lay it up there and let his guy make a play, but instead our guy made the play, brings up a fourth and four. They get off a 52-yard punt, and uh, we return it out to our our 15. So, again, we get a chance to put a drive together here, and uh, our best sustained drive of the first half. And, again, you go back and look at some of these other ones, you know, we're moving the football. It's not like LSU is stopping us. That's one thing that I would say, too, about our offensive line You know, when you saw last week that LSU was the number one pass rushing team in the country, what did you think? Well, you know what you thought. You said, man, our offensive line has improved some, but they're probably not ready for this. We gave up one sack. One. And that's the thing you look at here is you can say, you know what, hey, you know, this is a a top ten recruiter every year. You got so many four- and five-star guys over there. We got a patchwork offensive line in many respects. And they go out there and really took the fight to LSU. We were never overwhelmed on the offensive line. There may be one or two plays we may get beat on a play. But it's not what I expected. I hoped that we would play well. I didn't know that we would play well. And I thought that our offensive line really stood up to the LSU front, even when they were in a four-man front, especially in pass protection. So this drive starts at our 15, and we're complete to Marks for five. Then we're incomplete to Ra-Ra. It was a little bit behind him. A pass he still should have caught. He tried to run before he caught it. They didn't label it a drop. I, I would say that it was. Then we're complete to Austin Williams for 22. Well, steady Eddie Austin, right? Go back. Will Rogers. This Again, we talk about decision-making. This was a bad decision. Ultimately, it didn't cost us. The ball is, is batted back to Will, and he catches it for a four-yard loss. In that situation, you just want to bat the ball down. That's what you want to do. You're going to get a negative play. You just bat it down, and it's an incompletion. So as the quarterback, you don't want to catch the football. You just bat that thing down with two hands to make sure nobody else can get to it and you get ready for second and 10. But instead, it's second and 14, but we find Jameer Calvin for eight. Again, on third and six, we go back to Austin Williams for 19. And a nice play. That's one thing I've noticed, too. They're getting a little bit deeper with that dig with Austin Williams on the possession plays. And that's a guy that can take some punishment. So now it's uh, first and 10 at the LSU 35. We're completed Jimmer Calvin for 13, down to the 22, and you're thinking, okay, we're fixing to go in here and tie this thing up. We're complete to Marks for nine. That gives us the uh, – they give us nine, but they ultimately give us a um, – back. they give us a first down, and they said, no, it was second one. So somebody made a mistake here to box score. But So second one, we run Marks for no gain. Then we go back to Marks, and we get three, down to the LSU 10. And we're all thinking, okay, we're about to go in here. Then we run for three. On the, you know, It's just like you begin to look at this thing, okay, it's first and gold now inside the 10, and uh, we've got to find a way 
to put his ball in the end zone. Very similar to what we saw at Memphis last week. We get in the red zone, we bog down a little bit. The one good thing we'll say about this one is we didn't just go out there and throw three pass plays. So first and 10, at their 10, we run for four. And that's where Rodgers tucking it and going there. Makes it a second goal at the six. We're complete to Austin Williams for four, which gets it down to the two. Third and two, we're going to run the football. We overloaded the right side. And, you know, and I get it. Sometimes that's just big football. It's kind of like those statement plays. I think we were just going to show them we could run the football in. I didn't agree with maybe going right because we'd had so much success running behind Charles Cross left. But they get us. This is the one play you look at and say, hey, you know, LSU – it kind of bowed their backs here and got us, forced a field goal, and it's good. Makes it a 7-3 ball game. But this is a drive that we should have been able to finish. There's no questions about it. And, again, you know, I go back to the play call. Maybe we're growing a little bit. You know, last last week against Memphis, you know, we first and goal with the four and we run three pass plays, and I was told at least one of those was an audible. But this time we go down there and we run the football. We just couldn't get, get the job done. But it's a 7-3 ball game, so we're still in this thing. And, again, we're moving the football pretty much at will. And, you know, what's interesting, too, is when we did get inside the red zone there, that they switch out of the three-man front and go to a 4-3 alignment, you know. And so the adjustment that we made kind of forced them to adjust to us. All right, so so it's a 7-3 ball game now. Defense stands tall this time. We do a great job uh, kind of getting the ball back here. But um, it's interesting. Impact plays on this drive for both teams. So, Randy Charlton, we bring a stunt there, and Charlton gets free. And it is a textbook form tackle sack of Max Johnson for a nine-yard loss. Brings up a second 19. And right now we're thinking, hey, we're going to get good field position. We're going to get off the field here, be able to chance to uh, take the lead here. They're complete to Dion for seven. Just kind of checked it down to him and uh, for just seven. Brings up a third and 12. It's a huge play in the ballgame. We're thinking, let's get out of here. And uh, instead, they hit Brian Thomas for 20 uh, to get the first down. We didn't play that exceptionally well. But we come right back. They test Emmanuel Forbes. He gets underneath Deion Smith for the pick and um, at our 20. So, again, we had a chance to get off the field. Didn't work out quite as well as we'd hoped to. But, again, the defense stands tall, makes a play right here. So, now, again, we have a chance you know, we're just six minutes and eight seconds to go in the half to go make a play here. Let's make some things happen. So we're complete to DJ for seven. We come back and run for three, which gives us a first down at our 30. We're complete to DJ for two. Then we're incomplete to Heath and incomplete to DJ. So back-to-back plays right there. We end up having to punt, and it's a 53-yard punt. Great punt by Archer Trafford um, to the LSU 15, and then they get loose. We miss a tackle. And then they return at 24 yards, and who is it, Cam Young? Cam Young, Sherman Timms making tackles out there in, uh, in punt coverage. But, again, a chance for us to flip the field, and we don't. You know, the good thing is is that, uh, you know, State defensively was just decided, you know what, we got to keep we got to keep playing here. Kind of runs for two, then kind of runs for six, brings up a third and two. It's complete to Jack Bash for four. There were some people that thought – once Mississippi State offered, we might get Jack Bash. Listen, he is an LSU legacy. We never had a chance of getting that kid, no matter what anybody told you. Uh, then they're incomplete to Deion Smith. Ty Wheat in the face of Max Johnson then. Then we get Max Johnson on the sack, and there were two there were two fouls on the play. I don't know that he identified them both. There was holding and a chop block. 
and we decline the chop block and take the sack, which brings up a third and 16. They nearly convert. You know, we're, we're basically in cloud coverage here ourselves, making them throw the ball underneath, and they got 14, nearly got it. They ended up running it down and taking a punt and um, at the 10. And uh, so, you know, really we're not expecting to do anything here. And so here's what's interesting about this, and, and there's one thing I want to say at the end of this drive that um, kind of illustrates a point I made earlier in the segment. We're complete to Marks for eight out of the 18, and we go to back to Marks for seven towards the 25. First and 10, you know, clock's running down on us here. We're complete to Polk for four, and then there is the face mask on LSU. There were a couple of those that didn't get called. It's amazing to me that uh, some of these things can happen and never get called. But uh, So now it's all the way out to the, L- the MSU 44, and you know, we've got basically got a chance for a Hail Mary here. And so we roll Will out, and then he gets sacked on the Hail Mary attempt. That's the only sack of the day. That's it. A play where he's sitting there waiting for everybody to get downfield, and we get sacked on a Hail Mary attempt the last play of the half. That's LSU's only sack. That's it. I can live with that. Again, these guys led the nation in sacks through three weeks, and the only one they get against us, considering how many times we drop back to pass, is a Hail Mary attempt to end the half. It's a pretty... Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. 
And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Good job by your offensive line. You know, so at this point, I'm getting all these texts from friends saying, you know, man, I'll, I'll take it. You know, we're just a play away from from making this thing ours. And I think, you know, I, I remember I told Mike Nemeth, I said, man, if we can survive this first drive of the second half, we're going to win the football game. Well, we didn't. And you know what? We didn't win the football game. I thought they schemed us up pretty good here. And I don't know if it's just because of the, the personnel they saw on the field, but um, they ran really hard on first down. Really nice game there for 11 yards. They come back with some play action. They get Kayshawn Boutte matched up with a safety, and it's a bust in coverage. We bite on a play action fake, and it's a 64-yard touchdown. Made it 14-3, to and you really felt like we were in trouble at this point because we had not been able to finish drives. We had sustained several, but we had not been able to finish a drive, and it really felt kind of dire at the time. So we come back and, again, have a chance to do some good things here. And um, – Again, we put together a nice drive. We take over to our 25. We're complete to Wally for two. Back to Wally for seven. Brings up a third one. We run hard. Jaquavius Marks gets a first down. Penalty offsides on LSU. Gives us a first and five. We're complete to Polk for 10. They flag us for an eligible downfield. And that happened a couple times. And that's got to get fixed. That's you know, one of the things we we didn't. We played pretty error-free football, at least from a penalty standpoint, early in the ballgame. In the first half, I don't know that we had a penalty against us. But uh, in the second half, we had a couple of these ineligibles that uh, really cost us. And that's one of those things you look at. There's a lot of moving parts to all that, but that it's become a point of emphasis in the last couple of years with Gus Malzahn and Hugh Freeze running so many of these uh, RPO-type things. That is a point of emphasis for officials. They're going to make sure that, hey, if you're downfield, that ball better be thrown behind the line of scrimmage. Well, this one wasn't. And so ultimately it cost us pretty good, but we overcame it. So first and 10 at our 36, we're incomplete to Wally. And I think that was the drop, I think. And then we go back to DJ for seven, brings up a third and three. And what do we do? Third and eight, we look up Austin Williams, and he gets us eight yards across midfield to the LSU 49. We're complete to DJ then for 15. And again, we're rolling. We're kind of doing what we want to do. Dylan Johnson becoming a great receiver after the catch out of the backfield. We go back to DJ for a one-yard gain. Then we find Austin Williams for seven, which brings up a third and two. DJ then runs for five. First down at the LSU 21. We're marching in, folks. We're, re- we're ready to go. We're complete the Polk for six to the LSU 15. You're thinking, all right, we got this thing. At the very least, we'll convert into the first down. And we're incomplete the Polk. And really, that was one we didn't have much of a chance on there. And there was some hand fighting, you know, between you know, Polk and the DB there. I think it was Riggs. But really, the way the pass was thrown, it just, it, wasn't, it just wasn't very competitive. And then we're incomplete to Malik Heath. We have to attempt a field goal, and we miss it. We hook it. So, again, you've got a chance to pull within one possession. We blow it. So, this is, again, a special teams miscue for us. And, listen, McCord's been good. I'm not, I'm not jumping on the kid. He was three for three in his previous three attempts. And then he pulls this one. And uh, he'll tell you he should have had it. It was, you know, it was a good snap, good hold. We just hooked it. And in a ball game like this, you just can't afford to do it. So LSU gets the ball back. And, um, you know, one of those deals, too, where you know, defense, you, you got to think at some point they're sure thinking, you know, we got to go make a play here, make some things happen. 
Uh, Goodwin then runs for nine, then Kiner runs for seven. And this is one I thought was a really physical play. Kiner gets toward that sidelines for some reason decides to, to go airborne against Duncan. And Fred Peters absolutely destroyed him there on that sideline. I mean, it was a very vicious but legal hit uh, after the first down. To be honest with you, I was a little concerned about Kiner. I thought, that, I thought he was out on the sidelines. Uh, but they were able to get him up, and they did take him out of the ballgame for a while. Uh, and then they go back to complete to Armani Goodwin for two yards. They find Jare Jenkins, who is kind of a hidden gem for LSU. I think he's a guy that can really play, that maybe doesn't get the notoriety that Boutte does, and rightfully so. Uh, Davis Price goes for a two-yard loss. Jed Johnson, who continues to play well for Mississippi State, brings up a second and 12. Johnson completes Jenkins for five, and then Max Johnson gets flushed and runs for five. We make a big lick out there. Jet Jack Harris on the tackle there. Force a touchback. They punt. And again, we've got a chance here. Got to climb back into this ball game. And this, I get this, this inability to sustain drives in the second half, excuse me, in the third quarter, kind of became a little bit of an issue for us. A couple times we had a chance to make plays. This is our only three and out of the day, though. If I told you beginning the ball game, hey, State's going to outgain LSU, we're going to have one three and out on the day, you'd say we won the ball game. So Will gets flushed, goes for no yards. We're incomplete to Calvin, and they actually broke it up. And then we're incomplete to Calvin again. And so three plays, zero yards. We punt. Trafford, a 40-yard punt, only to the LSU 40. This is the one you look back and say, man, we really could have used a better effort here. Inconsistent, right? And then LSU immediately capitalizes. We get beat, a complete bust, have no idea what happened here. Got basically with nobody within 20 yards of him. Trey Palmer, 58 yards for a touchdown. It's 21-3, and a lot of people decided, you know what, I'm headed to the house. A lot. Saw a pretty exciting finish to the thing, though. That's one thing I'll say about our guys, man. Sometimes we dig a hole. We, we're, we're not scared to fight. I wish we had a little more fight early when the game was – was still in the balance. You know, it's like it's 21-3. Oh, we got nothing to lose. Well, why don't we feel like we got anything to lose in the first quarter? You know, let's go out there and hit first. It's like, yeah, we're, we're kind of like a trap fighter. You know, that's what we used to call those guys in Taekwondo. It's like you go out there and you act tired and yell like you're wounded and, and you try to get your opponent to get a little bit undisciplined and, and kind of bring, you know, a vicious attack at you and you counter off of it. I wish we, instead of us being a trap fighter, you know, spotting everybody a lead, let's go out here and, and, you know, put our foot in somebody's throat. All right, so we come in, we're incomplete to Polk. Then DJ runs for 12. DJ runs for nine, gives us a, excuse me, that, that the 12 gives us a first down. Then we get nine and bring up a second one. And then uh, Woody Marks for the one-yard gain gets the first down. Uh, Will Rogers incomplete to Christian Ford. If you remember, that was a Paul right on the sidelines, and it looked even in live action like he was probably out of bounds. They ruled him in. It was a pretty short review. Brings up a second and 10, and again, we overcome it. We're complete to Malik Heath for 22, down to the LSU 31. We're going in, right? Complete to DJ for two to the LSU 29, and then we're complete to Makai Polk, basically a seam route where he just basically found a – you know, a gap in his own and outruns everybody and they don't rotate over to him. So 29 yards for touchdowns. Now it's 21-10. And this is really, in many respects, where I think the game changed. Even though it's 21-10, you know, we were still within striking distance. You know, the, you know you're know, you thinking, well, can we get enough offensive production? You know, maybe we can get a special team to play somewhere. Maybe something will happen to give us some juice. So we're going to the fourth quarter. We're down 11, but we've been here before. Maybe not against a team as, as talented as LSU, 
But it's not completely inconceivable to think we could come back and win the ball game. Even though in the pit of my stomach, I'm thinking, man, this is going to take a miracle. So they're complete to Butte for nine, brings up a – excuse me. Yeah, they were incomplete on our initial play. They're complete to Butte for, second, for, for nine to give us a third and one. And then Price gets it. Randy Charlton, Jed Johnson with a tackle. It's a rush for two yards. Then they're incomplete, brings up the second and eight. Incomplete to Brian Thomas on the third and eight play. So we force a punt here. So they're punting from their 37. We have the juice and the mojo right now. We just went and put the ball in the end zone. We've gotten a stop. Let's get a punt. Let's get off the field. And, you know, if we get any score right here whatsoever, we're within a score, you know, with basically half the quarter left at, at a minimum. And then we, we get the punt, and Rodney Gross is called for leaping. I saw it as it happened, and I, it seemed like that flag was in slow motion. There was no disputing the call, I thought. It's like and what irritates me the most is we have Wally and Williams both back, and so clearly we're trying to set up a return. And so, again, it's hard to fault the guy, you know, for just trying to make a play for his team. But you got to be smarter here. You got to understand the situation. This really changed the game. Now, it wasn't the only play of the game. Obviously, again, we're down twenty-one ten here, right? But in the grand scheme, and looking back at hindsight, you look at, man, we basically extended this drive for them. We had a chance to have the ball at our 20. Instead, they have it at our 48. Run for three, and then you have the uh, the touchdown to Cole Taylor where Emmanuel Forbes and Fred Peters ran together. Emmanuel Forbes carted off. You know, again, no official word on this, you know, but we don't expect it to be something that keeps him out for long. Could he play this weekend? We don't know yet. We don't know. It's always scary when you see a guy being carted off, but they were able to get him sitting up. So, again, that's, you know, we'll ask. I don't expect to get an answer, but we'll certainly ask. You know, I'm, I'm sure if I had to take a somewhat educated guess, I would say Emmanuel Forbes is uh, probably, probably in concussion protocol. That would be my best guess. So now it's a 28-10 ball game, and then you really think that this thing is definitely over. But it wasn't. We start our drive at 11.32 to go in the ballgame. We're incomplete to Heath. We come back with a completion to Marks, who gets eight. We're complete to Christian Ford for nine. and gives us a, a first down there. First and ten, we go back to Marks for a nice little pass play here for 11. Marks then runs for four. Out to the LSU 43. We're complete to Makai Polk for four. Brings up a third and two. We find Polk again for 17. First down. First and ten. We run for eight, and again, again, how many negative plays do you hear? Every time we turn around, it's a positive play, positive play. I think the last negative play we had, you know, was the, the sack at the end of the half. It's like you begin to run through these things. It's like, you know, we're getting positive plays. It's not like we're getting behind the change due to the fact that LSU is out executing us. That's one of the things that makes it so frustrating, right? Okay, so it's, again, Marks runs for eight, which brings up a second two at the LSU 14. We're going in, right? We're going in. Then we're complete to Polk for nine, down to the LSU five, first and goal. Marks then runs for two. We're complete to Marks for one, brings up an LSU, uh, a second, excuse me, third and goal at the LSU two. And you're probably thinking like me, oh, here we go again. Not going to be able to convert in red zone. But we do. I really thought Williams got in on the initial surge. We throw it to him, and I thought he was in. Then he had to battle through and fight through, and he does ultimately get in the end zone. We make the extra point. It is now a 28-17 ball game. Plenty of time left, right? So, 
Defense said, yeah, we'll, we'll play. We'll play. So we kick off, and again, Scott Goodman doing a great job for us. You know, Brandon Ruiz is, is still out and will probably be out for at least another week or two. I don't think we've really lost a whole lot, especially on the kickoff aspect. And you can say, oh, well, we missed a field goal. Yeah, McCord's been three or four. You know, it's not like that he's been a liability out there. I think the guys played well. But, uh, yeah, we'd like to have had that field goal, especially considering we lost by three, right? Uh, so uh, Price runs for five, and then we get them for a one-yard loss. Jack Harris, Ty Wheat with the play there, brings up a third and six. They're incomplete. And they have to punt. So it's a three and out. So, again, we've scored, got the three and out, about to get the ball back. We got the juice, We just, have, but we just don't have a lot of time, right? So we're complete to Heath for one. We run it, Will runs it, gets six, and then we're complete to forward for five that uh, converts the first down. Rodgers then complete to five, and then there's the, another ineligible downfield deal. Back to sub five. First and 15, we find DJ for 12. Back to DJ for seven. Gives us a first down at the LSU 40. Dylan Johnson then runs for seven. It's like I said, DJ and, and Woody Mark show. Then it's a false start on, on us. Takes it back to the, the uh, LSU 38. Well, Rodgers then runs for 10, gets a first down. That's good to see. That's good to see. Jaquavius Marks then runs for three. Timeout stayed with 2.27 to go. We get him off sides. That gives us a second and two. We're complete to Polk for the first down at the LSU 16. Incomplete to Heat. Incomplete to Calvin. We're going in right. Well, we are. We swing it out to Jaquavius Marks, who really, really motored hard to get in the end zone. And then we um, – it's interesting. You know, we're going to go um, – we're going to go for a two here, and um, we end up, they, they end up getting called for holding here. And uh, at the time when, when it happened, it was pretty obvious that, uh, that Clark was guilty of holding there, so it gives us a second chance from the one. And then we, we hit Heath basically on a slant route right there, and uh, he just kind of walls up the DB, and uh, great throw by Will, and we get it. So now it's a 28-25 ball game, and there's – we basically have to go with the onside kick here. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of questions here about this. It's like, well, do you kick it deep with one timeout or do you go for the onside kick? You know, the chances of both of those happening are pretty slim. I'm, honestly, I believe your best chance here is to go for the onside kick rather than just kicking it deep. Um, because if you, you, got, you can stop it once, you know, maybe if you kick it deep and you can pin him back, if you can, if you can maybe, you know, squib it down the field and keep him inside the 20 – make a tackle, maybe you can get the ball back around midfield. But either way, it's all kind of a calculated risk. So we go for the uh, the kick, and it looked like there was a little contact with LSU and a Bulldog defender. On the replay, it does not appear that LSU touched it. That was just kind of the hope. And I don't I really don't blame Mike Leach for at least rolling the dice there because if you get that call, because we did recover it, and it had touched an LSU player, well, then you've got basically two minutes to go uh, near midfield and a timeout left and a lot of juice, and you kind of like your chances. Well, ultimately, the call didn't go for us, and LSU runs out the clock, and that's a ball game. And, again, it's very frustrating. It is. But, again, you look at this and say, you know what, there's a lot of plays out there that we left on the field. And that's, I guess that's the encouraging and frustrating thing at the same time. It's encouraging that, yeah, this is about us. You know, we had to make this play. It's not like LSU came out and dictated terms to us and just out-talented us, outplayed us, or out-schemed us. They just played a little bit cleaner than we did. We go out there and play clean, we win the ball game. And that's what veteran and mature teams do. Kind of looking at some of these numbers again, Will Rogers, 47 of 62 
for 371 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick, and then just the one sack. You know, I, I think going into the ball game, you would have taken that. And there are a lot of people like, oh, well, we'll miss that. Listen, that's a team loss. This is not all on Will Rogers. But anyway, Will Rogers wasn't playing in the secondary on those two big busts. Will Rogers didn't get called for a leaping penalty. There's enough blame to go around. This is not, you know, you know the Will Rogers roast. Uh, Dylan Johnson runs for 51. Jaquavius Marks for 46. Actually, uh, Will Rogers posited for 18. So we run for 115 yards. Your leading receiver was Makai Polk again. A grab, 78 yards. Jaquavius Marks, I guess he had the most catches, 9 of 67. Polk with the most yards. Austin Williams, six grabs for 62, along a 22. DJ, 9 of 58. And uh, Malik Keats, 5 for 48. And so we're moving the ball around. And, and Tulu, 3 of 18. And I still think we got to get him more involved. we got to find a way to utilize his speed. But uh, we moved the ball around, you know, a good bit, uh, for sure. On Defensively, and I really thought we really – Gave them some trouble, you know, uh, five, four quarterback hurries and then, uh, you know, a couple sacks. And so we didn't let Max Johnson sit there and get comfortable and pick us apart. Uh, Fred Peters, your leading tackler with nine. Jet with eight. Nate Watson with six. Getting good production from that position. Uh, Jalen Green with four. And we knew he had to have a good ball game. I thought he did have a good ball game. Uh, just had some other busts in the secondary there. Aaron Brule with uh, four tackles. Really need Aaron to get going. We need him to be a double-digit guy. Randy Charlton with four, four tackles. Uh, you know, Cam Young, everybody out here kind of making some plays. And so, again, I don't think State can look at this ball game and say, you know what, hey, we got out-talented. We got overwhelmed. We can't compete. We can. And, and the fact that we can look at point to a handful of plays and say, hey, if this happens and this happens, it's a different ball game. Well, you got you to make those plays. You got to correct that. There's no – there's no excuse for a lot of these things that happen. And it's like, you know, the leaping penalty, and, and I, I want to address this too. Yeah, it was a pretty egregious thing. It really was. And it came at a very crucial moment in the ball game. But for those people that went out there and attacked that kid on social media, and I know the one guy that uh, had sent the DM that Rodney Gross had shared, guy's actually an Alabama fan. But let's be the adults here. I mean, come on. We've talked about that during baseball. I mean, don't, don't go out here and tweet at these kids because you're angry. I mean, come on, have some class. There's just no, there's no point in any of that at all. It's not a good look for us. It's not a good look for Mississippi State. It's not a good look for you, your family. But at the end of the day, the most important part of it is, is why would you say something so cruel to a young person, especially in that situation there? You don't think Rodney Gross feels bad enough for that lapse in judgment? You don't think that he knows that's going to be on the SEC network and all his friends back home and everybody's going to see that? He doesn't need you to go remind him that he made a mistake. You know, have some character. But that's a ballgame. Let's get into today's top ten list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's CloseWithBlair.com. B-L-A-I-R. CloseWithBlair.com. Many of you have the dream of home ownership. Maybe you think it is elusive. For you, it doesn't have to be. Blair is the guy that gets things done. I like to do business with people that are winners, and that's what you have with Blair. Top 1% in the country when it comes to close ratio and loan origination. There's not a loan out there that he hadn't seen. You may think that your problems are unique. You're wrong. This is a guy that's dealt with a lot of complex borrowers, a lot of complex cases. Many of you are just kind of straightforward. Maybe you're just looking for the best rates. Maybe you're just looking for an expedient service. Blair can handle all that stuff too. 
It's not just the scratch and dent mortgages. He can handle the straight ahead stuff too. Visit him at closewithblair.com. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, he is going to give you a bit of a discount. If you mention the Boneyard to Blair Chandler during the facilitation of your application process, he is going to pay for your appraisal. That's a $300 value. Phone number is 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. Licensed in multiple states, too. Good network of people around him. Works for Fairway Mortgage, one of the top five mortgage lenders in America. Give Blair a call. And again, remember to mention the Boneyard. I'll be honest with you. I really thought we had done this 80s icon. Like, I had to, I had to text Roy. I was like, hey, have we done this? And I get my list out and look, no, we hadn't done this. How have we not done Kenny Loggins? One of the great American songwriters. I mean, it seemed like every hit movie in the 80s had a Kenny Loggins song on a soundtrack, whether it be Caddyshack or, you know, Over the Top or um, Top Gun. I mean, my goodness, it seemed like they were everywhere. And uh, not to mention one of the greatest motion picture soundtracks of all time, Footloose. Kenny Loggins was like a key part of our radio experience in the 1980s and really was putting some things together back in the late 70s. It was really, really interesting with Loggins and Messina. There's a lot of things out there, a lot of songs you're like, oh, that's Kenny Loggins. Yes, that's Kenny Loggins. Also a great songwriter, had a lot of people that recorded his songs. So we're going to do the top 10 Kenny Loggins songs today. How about that? That'll be fun for the ride home today. All right, number 10, the song Forever. And it is very 80s. You know, it's got that big open, you know, with the synth and the, the uh, a lot of percussion in the beginning. But uh, an incredibly written song. I think you'll dig that one. Number nine, kind of a forgotten classic. I don't know that I hear this on the radio very often. And it's two of the iconic performers of the genre. It's Stevie Nicks with... Kenny Loggins in the song Whenever I Call You Friend. And Stevie is phenomenal on the song. And even if it was somebody else, it'd be great. But the fact that Stevie Nicks is on this song makes it that much better. So if you're a Stevie Nicks fan and maybe not so familiar with the Kenny Loggins catalog, let me encourage you, go check out Whenever I Call You Friend. Number eight, a song that was actually made more popular in my generation by the rock band Poison, which is still our number one listened to top 10 list which is interesting considering that i wasn't much of a poison fan i did have the first two albums though almost kind of by default but uh but nevertheless it's a song your mama don't dance and the subtitle is your daddy don't rock and roll it just ain't cool and it ain't about to stop your mama don't dance and your daddy don't rock and roll all right that's number eight on the list and that is a loggins and messina song Probably the best Loggins and Messina song. And a lot of people hear this, and it's got a bit of a country vibe to it. And it's been covered several times. I mean, mean, countless people have covered this song. And it's actually called Danny's Song by Loggins and Messina. And uh, it's one of those things, you know, basically where, you know, the basic chorus is, uh, even though we ain't got money, I'm still in love with you, honey. At some point, we've all been in that spot where it's like, you know what, we'll figure life out. As long as we have each other, we can figure the rest of it out. It's a very, very heartfelt song. There's a lot of authenticity in the song. And people respond to that. There's so much of this overproduced and commercialized nonsense in music sometimes today. And you go back to songs like this, and they just remind you how beautiful music really is. Danny's song. Number six, from the movie Over the Top with Sylvester Stallone. 
I think the song might actually be better than the movie, and the movie was really good. You remember when, uh, when I think he was Lincoln Hawk. I think that was the name. Lincoln Hawk was the character's name. And Sylvester Stallone was a professional arm wrestler. And he was having this custody battle with his kid, and there was all these issues. And uh, it was a very heartwarming movie, a little bit, a little cheesy. But um, Meet Me Halfway, a tremendous, tremendous song. Number five, the bass line on this thing is just infectious, man. I, I love it. And uh, this was back when uh, Kenny was first going solo. And I remember riding around like in my dad's Monte Carlo, like, you know, early 80s, and this song would come on the radio. And it would just always excite me because it was just so well produced. Kenny Loggins can really, really sing. But it's the song, This Is It. I want to say it went to number one. Number four, a bit of a B-side on the Footloose soundtrack. They actually released a video for it because, and this is what you young folks don't understand. So when Footloose came out, I mean, it was a phenomenon. Kevin Bacon, it's like there's all this stick it to the man stuff. But the, the scene in the movie Footloose, you know, when, uh, when Kevin Bacon, who was uh, Ren McCormick in the movie, and I considered naming uh, one of my sons, Ren, just after Ren McCormick, because I loved Footloose that much. But, um, but nevertheless, so they milked Footloose for all it was worth, because everybody loved it. It stayed at the box office, because everybody was still going to see it. People saw it multiple times. Well, they had this soundtrack, because back in those days, that was all kind of like a precursor to the film, is you'd have all these bands that would kind of contribute songs to a motion picture soundtrack, and people, they would release that as an album. Well, every song on that Footloose album became a single. It was played on a radio. Or there was a video made, put on MTV. And so we were kind of inundated with this. And I think the song Heaven Helps the Man was the number two Kenny Loggins cut on that album. Is actually one of the better songs out there that nobody really talks about. Of course, you had Denise Williams, uh, Hear It for the Boy. And there was just so many iconic songs from that movie. But that's one that I think kind of slides under the radar that is actually a really, really good song. Heaven Helps the Man That Finds His Dream. I think that's how that goes. Number three, probably my favorite Kenny Loggins song before he had all this success with the motion picture soundtracks. It's I'm All Right. Ain't nobody worried about me. It's a fun song. It's a one that makes you want to kind of clap your hands and stomp your feet too. If you don't know it, go check it out. I love that song. And so I think we get down to the end here, and I think everybody will agree these, these last two songs, these are the ones that have kind of made Kenny Loggins' career in many respects. In some ways, that's a shame, because like we know them because they were just such a big part of pop culture. But I think if you dig a little deeper and you listen to this list, I think if you, if you only know these top two songs and you go back and listen to some of this other stuff, you're going to get a new appreciation for how talented Kenny Loggins is and was. Number two, I'm going with the theme song from Top Gun, Danger Zone, right into the Danger Zone. And I tell you, that movie is another one that was just so enormous for us. And I can't wait for the new one to come out, you know, when Maverick goes back and he's a teacher. And oh, I can't wait. Love those Tom Cruise movies, man. Anything that was kind of great at the time either had Kenny Loggins or Tom Cruise. This one had both. So Danger Zone. Number one, you know what it's got to be. It's the one. It's Footloose, man, because everybody wants to cut Footloose. I mean, that's Footloose made everybody want to dance. 
when you saw that movie, if you didn't know how to dance and you saw how much the girls enjoyed dancing, then guys wanted to learn how to dance. And most of them were like Willard. You know, most guys couldn't dance, and so they would just get a couple steps. They could get out there and not feel like a complete idiot. But I wanted to be Ren McCormick, and so I learned how to really dance. And uh, I am, to this day, I am the best self-taught club dancer you have ever known. And you know this. You know this. But that's your top ten list, Kenny Loggins. Man, really a fun list, too. I mean, really. I mean, you begin to think about this. You're like, man, golly, there's so many great songs. And there were a couple I didn't mention, like, you know, for, you know, for the first time. I mean, that, that is a tremendous love song. But this Kenny Loggins list, I think, is one you'll have a lot of fun with. No matter what age you are, what generation you're from, everybody has heard Kenny Loggins. And I guarantee you this. When you put this list on, you're going to be like, I didn't know that was Kenny Loggins. Well, it is. It is. So there you go. If you have an idea for the top ten list, reach out let me know. I've got something special planned for later in the week. Really excited about that. I'm not, I'm not going to tip it yet. Let me just say it's got something to do with hair. It'll be coming up on Friday's show. How about that? And that, that's no surprise coming from me, right? All right, so there you go. That's your top ten list. If you got an idea, reach out. Let me know. Social media, at ScoutSteveR, all forms. I'll get back with you. If you're looking for a list, go to Dogmatic67 on Spotify. You can find those. If you're an Apple Music guy, uh, Izzy Mandelbaum is taking care of that. I had a chance to visit with him yesterday. So as soon as Roy sends out a Spotify list, Izzy kind of puts together the Apple Music one, and uh, you can check those things out. And listen, really excited about that too. And so glad we can bring the gift of music to your lives. There you go, today's top ten list. Next segment of the show brought to you by CampusBookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, they're going to save you some money too. I mean, think about this. Just by listening to the show, you can get your appraisal for your house paid for, if you're refined, if you're person, whatever. And if you're just like ordering some merch, from Campus Bookmart, you don't have to pay shipping as long as you spend 50 bucks. And you're going to spend 50 bucks, right? It's a lot of value in listening to the show, not to mention all the great content you get. We talk a lot of music around here, but we're also saving you money. Goes by and see standing man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, and Miss Pam Menyard. Everybody up there will take care of you. They treat you like family because you are family. They got people that have been there a few 24 hours, too. They know exactly what you're looking for. Always rep the brand, man. Always. Visit them at campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR to unlock free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. I know many of you took, took advantage of that when you ordered, uh, you know, your truckload full of, of uh, national championship gear. I'm glad that we could help you with that. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR, which stands for beautiful Steve Robertson. Easy to remember, right? Because you know how beautiful I am. All right, let's take a look at the rest of the league. Some weird things happen, too. And that's one of the things I love about college football. I love it. It's not so predictable. And, yeah, I picked State to beat LSU. And let me say for the record, we should have beat LSU, but we didn't. So I'll take the L on that. But we should have won the game. I had the right read on it. We just didn't finish. Okay, so Georgia just absolutely obliterates Vanderbilt 62 nothing. Guys, it was 35 nothing in the first quarter. And you, 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 knew, you knew you know Kirby would just kind of bleed this thing out. Guys, I, I really believe Georgia is the best team in the country. I, I do. And I said from the beginning of the year, I thought they would win the SEC and be, be in the playoff. But after what we've seen, you know, Clemson gets beat by NC State over the weekend. And remember some people were saying, oh, NC State's overrated. Well, they just went in there and beat Clemson. So maybe they're not overrated. Maybe that is a good win for us, right? And so some weird stuff has happened. You know, Ohio State lost to Oregon earlier in the year. And so, you know, Georgia to me just appears to be the most complete team. I just think it's their year. And now, granted, you know, judging them based on how to play against 
Vanderbilt is probably not truly indicative of their ability. They'll get Arkansas this weekend, and I don't think it's going to matter. I mean, it isn't going to be a 62 nothing ball game. They're going to come out ready to play, but Georgia is just going to overwhelm Arkansas. I really believe that. Missouri. Man, these guys are killing me. All these close ball games. Missouri has got to find some defensive help, man. They lose a ball game in overtime. They go down and score the touchdown late to force overtime. They were down 27-17. There's a few minutes to go. They come back and tie the game and then take the lead in overtime. Boston College comes back and ties it and then wins the game. It's uh, Listen, it's a wild season for Mizzou, but I, this whole Eli Drinkwitz thing, I'm telling you, there's going to be somebody that's going to slip up. They're going to get a defensive stop somewhere along the way, and they're going to upset somebody that will help determine uh, the SEC East. Not that I think Georgia needs the help. But somebody somewhere is going to take an L to Mizzou and the East that uh, they're not expecting. Arkansas goes into doubt. I think I said this was at at Arkansas. It's not. They didn't get the return game. I don't know how I forgot that. Last year they didn't play the game in – in, uh, in, you know, Jerry World there in Dallas. They went down and played it at A&M. And so Arkansas doesn't get the return game this year. They're back in Jerry World. But Arkansas wins. And I think it's a cool thing to play that game there. I think people look forward to that. I know you hate giving up the, you know, the home game. But um, that's become a really good ball game. No matter what the quality of the teams and no matter what the year looks like at the end of the year, you look back at that Arkansas A&M game, they've, they've been competitive. I thought Arkansas would win the game because I think Arkansas, it's a tough matchup for A&M because Arkansas can run the football. A&M, pretty anemic on offense, you know, against, uh, you know, better teams. And I don't know how good Arkansas is. I do think they're a good team. I don't know if they're a great team, but I think they're a good team. And so when you look at A&M, and we'll talk about them on Wednesday show, probably actually record that Tuesday night because I got I to gotta head down south for, uh, for a couple days. But uh, – Against Power 5 competition, A&M has scored 20 points. They win 10-7 at Colorado. Remember that? And they lose 20-10 to Arkansas. So they have struggled to score points against Power 5 competition. Now they played, of course, Kent State. That's a 41-10 game. And then they beat New Mexico 34-0. Uh, but the reality of it is, is there's a lot of unknowns with this A&M team. I mean, it really is. I don't know at this point. I think we're going to compete. Are we going to win the ball game? I don't know if I can see that yet. But I, I don't think that this is a very good A&M team. And a lot of it's got to do with the change of quarterback due to an injury. And there, nobody's going to improve when you put your second-team quarterback out there unless maybe you're Auburn, which is what happened a little bit on Saturday, right? That What a wild game that was. Georgia State was hammering Auburn. Hammering Auburn. And there were some jokes out there. Hey, well, Mark Curl's crew is there. They'll take care of Auburn. And I want to say for the record, Matt Hollyfield, the bag judge that blew the call against Mississippi State and Memphis, was not part of that crew. He was not. It'll be interesting to see if he officiates the rest of the year. Let's just call that maybe maybe a little, a little birdie put that in my ear. So Auburn wins 34-24. But here's what's crazy. is So Georgia State has the lead. Late in the ball game, it's fourth and nine, I guess, and they've got Finley in at quarterback. It's fourth and nine. Georgia State just needs to make a play to get off the field. They don't. So Auburn scores to take a 27-24 lead. Georgia State has time. They got to drive down, try to kick a field goal. They throw a pick six, and Auburn puts it away, 34-24. So Auburn with a 10-point win, but played awful, awful. Georgia State was what one and two entering the ball game. Not a great team. But they had a great game plan. Tennessee gets out to a good start against Florida and Dan Mullen. 
And then Dan and Todd Grantham absolutely turn the Gators loose, and they blow out Tennessee 38-14. Again, I think a lot of this, too, you can come out and scheme people up in the first quarter, maybe give them some things that you had they hadn't seen before, but ultimately the better teams and coaches usually win ballgames. It's usually how that works. Kentucky, kind of similar to what we expected. I expected a tight ballgame. I thought Kentucky would win. They did. And listen, give Shane Beamer and the guys of South Carolina some credit. Yeah, they're two and two right now, but they're obviously looking to be a better team. They got to figure out some things offensively, and you know the quarterback position has kind of been a moving target for them with Doty being up and down, and they started a GA for a while, you know. And so, uh, here's the deal: you know, Kentucky is kind of gritty and kind of gutting these things out. They're going to win these ugly ball games, and they did. wasn't a great ball game. Sure feels good for Kentucky though. So they win again, and then Alabama, of course, blast Southern Miss. 63-14, no surprise there. And so, really, I think that when you look at all this, are you surprised that LSU beat Mississippi State? Well, no, you're not. You'd hope that it went the other direction. Are you surprised Boston College won at home against Mizzou? No, not really. But a lot of people were probably surprised that Arkansas beat A&M. Nothing else really kind of stands out. You know, and so I think maybe Arkansas is a little sneaky good. I think we all knew A&M was overrated, and they are, especially with a backup quarterback. You know, and so you can always say, well, if they still have their number one quarterback, they're probably a top ten team. I don't even think that's true. But we'll see. We'll get a chance to try those guys on for size here in a couple days. I'm looking forward to – I'm not looking forward to the drive, but I am looking forward to getting back to Kyle Field. One of college football's great venues, and we're so blessed to have that in this league. You can go to so many places where so many great games have been played. And we've had some good nights in College Station, Texas, for sure. Uh, looking ahead a little bit, we'll, we'll preview the weekend on Friday. But uh, it is a very, very interesting weekend in the SEC. I mentioned Arkansas will be at Georgia, Tennessee at Mizzou. I think you might know who I'm picking there. Ole Miss is at Alabama. I think this, the line, that line opened up at like 20. That just, You know, I, I think Ole Miss, cover, I, Ole Miss could even win the football game. I mean, let's, let's not just sit here and you know, shortchange the deal. I think Ole Miss defensively is a mess, but – and they're going to be able to score some points. So, you know, I'm sure Nick Saban, you know, will have a, a game plan. You know, you'd love to have Alabama come out here and just steamroll them. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think Ole Miss will go out there and compete. And then Troy is at South Carolina. Florida is at Kentucky. And Florida, Dan, Dan Mullins had some issues in, in Lexington uh, the last couple trips. And, of course, Mississippi State is at Texas A&M. UConn at Vanderbilt. Maybe a chance for the Doors to pick up a win. And Auburn is at LSU. That may be – the best ball game of the weekend, maybe. All right, so I want to talk a little bit more about uh, kind of some things that are happening kind of around the league here and um, you know, before we, we get to our final segment of the show. And uh, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time, you know, kind of beating people up about stuff uh, because I just don't think that's fair. But, you know, Will Rogers right now, 1,434 yards passing leads the SEC. And, you know, we can say it's a product of the scheme. But it is what it is, right? That, that is just the bottom line. That is a factual statement. He leads the SEC in passing. Now, I want to kind of put that in perspective just a little bit. Last year, in 2020, Will Rogers threw for 1,454 yards. That's it. That's what he threw. Now, granted, he was a part-time starter for us with 1,454 and so when I begin to look at some of these other things, I begin to ask myself, okay, is he getting better? I think it's pretty safe to say he is. Everything is up for him this year. Everything is up. Has he made some bad reads at times? Absolutely has, all quarterbacks do. 
you're just a little more acutely aware of it because he's our quarterback. And that, that may not be right. I've I, I Googled that, and I don't know that that's correct. I, I looked for Will Rogers' 2020 stats, and um, I think I got a bad link here. So, yeah, let me find this. I want to make sure we get this right. There's no way he already had that. That'd be just too crazy to match the same number he had a year ago. But he didn't have um, – you know, last year it was kind of pedestrian at times, right? I mean, you know, we all we all work through that, you know. Uh, so, yeah, last year he had 1,976 yards in nine games. And he's already got 1,454 in four games this year. Last year he completed 69.1% of his passes. This year he's up 75.1. His average attempt last year, yards per attempt, 5.7. Uh, he's up to 6.5. He threw seven picks last year. He's got two this year. Quarterback rating this year of 143.7 compared to 123.5. And we talk about not being able to, to finish drives. Last year he had 11 touchdowns. He's already got 11 this year. And just think about what we've left on the floor. You know, there's, just, there's a lot of other opportunities out there. And so, again, I'm not going to sit here and rain on the parade and talk about, you know, Will Rogers not getting it done. But there's more that he can do. There's no question about it. And that's the thing, too, with this scheme, we're always going to be among the leaders throwing the football because that's what we do. And, and there's a lot of this is basically in, you know, an extended handoff. But, um, you know, Will Rogers, too, you're looking at quarterback rating, you know, not, not at the top, but, uh, you know, still, you know, I got his, you know, got a solid rating with 143. But, uh, you know, the sack numbers, you know, that's seven sacks, and a lot of that came earlier in the year. You know, that seven sacks is something that we think that's going to get better, which will keep him upright and give him an opportunity to do – to do bigger things. But, uh, you know, as far as raw statistics go, yeah, he's he's getting it done. But at the end of the day, this is about scoring points. It's about winning ball games. And so I think all of you would probably take, you know, less passing yards for more points. You know, so if that means we got to run it a little bit, then so be it. But uh, number two in the SEC, Connor Bazelak from Mizzou. You guys know what a fan I am of him. Uh, of course, Ole Miss off last weekend, Matt Corral, 997. Max Johnson up to 11.44, Bryce Young 11.24. Uh, Will Levis, a quarterback at Kentucky, 9.02, and he has played every week. K.J. Jefferson, 8.44. So you can kind of run on down the list. But uh, Zach Calzada, this week's opponent, A&M, the quarterback, 609. Uh, completion percentage, the worst in the SEC among the starting quarterbacks at 52.78%. We've got to take full advantage of that. K.J. Jefferson right there, too, at 58%. You know, so you got some guys out there. Basically, every other throw is an incompletion. Now they're not throwing it quite as much as they they would have ordinarily, but uh, you know, with Spillers there. But um, you know, it's going to be interesting. It's just an interesting matchup down there. Look at some other statistics. I think it's important that we kind of keep tabs on all this kind of stuff. Look at some defensive numbers. I think you're going to be kind of surprised here. I mean, I really am. So tackles in the league. Yeah, the, the first Bulldog that shows up on the list at number seven is Jet Johnson with 29 tackles. A guy that didn't even start the first game, a couple of games of the year. You know, he's played as a reserve some, of course, Nate Watson gets hurt and he goes and plays in, in his place. But 29 tackles at number seven. That's a really, really good start to the season, you know, for Jet. Uh, your leading tackle in the SEC is DeMond Clark, linebacker from LSU. Fred Peters tied for eighth in the league. With 27 tackles, you got a couple Bulldogs up there making plays. Martin Emerson, 
tied for 13th with uh, 22. 22. Emmanuel Forbes right there behind him at 21. And you got people that weren't run or run wide. You better have some guys on the corner that can set an edge and make a tackle. We have those guys. Kind of see how things progress in that respect. Uh, as far as interceptions go, Emmanuel Forbes leading your team with two, which is tied for second in the SEC. Number one in the SEC is Jalen Foster from South Carolina with four picks. But, uh, you know, again, Emmanuel Forbes right there. That's a guy that takes ownership of the football. I don't know why so many people want to want to test him. I guess because Martin Emerson's on the other side. you got to kind of figure some things out. So, all right, let's get ready to talk about the uh, last segment of the show, brought to you by the fine folks at Portico. Great development group, great residential development uh, right here in Starkville. Very easy to get to. Very exciting times. If you're looking to move to Starkville, you pick the, this is a good time to do it. Yeah, there are a lot of great places to live in Starkville, but I venture to say that you got a brand new place, 1.1 miles from campus, on the best side of campus, which is the backside, closer to 82. Not as much hustle and bustles over there. And so you come off 82 on the 12, you take the first ride on Pat Station Road, cross over all West Point Road, boom, there's your new place. Portico, come check it out. Brooks Bryan, former Diamond Dog. I don't know if there's such a thing as a former Diamond Dog. Former Diamond Dog player. I think Brooks will tell you. I saw Brooks over the weekend. Brooks a good dude, man. I like doing business with good dudes and uh, ladies too. But uh, Brooks is a really good guy. I really like Brooks a lot. If you've got questions about where you should live, you give Brooks a call and he'll tell you. Brooks Bryan's phone number 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. Come out here and check it out. Two-bedroom, two-bath homes, up to four-bedroom, four-bath homes. So really, you know, a, a size for everybody, whether it be your primary residence or an investment property or maybe it's just your ballgame weekend retreat. We love it when you come up here and visit, man. There were a bunch of you here this weekend. But let's make Portico your next move. All right, I want to talk about our new Bulldog hero. And uh, <clears throat> I bring this up because uh, he has a new book. I think it's actually his only book. I may be mistaken, but it's former Mississippi State quarterback Twig Branch. That's right. You heard that right. Twig Branch. And so how he got the nickname was uh, Joe Fortunato. You guys know Mississippi State legend Joe Fortunato. Got it played several years in the National Football League. So when uh, when Twig got there, you know, he went out and introduced himself. And he said, uh, you know, I said, hey, well, what's, uh, you know, what's your name, you know? So it's Frank Branch. He said, Branch, more like a twig to me. And so it stuck. And so he became Twig Branch. And uh, reason, you know, the twig comment comes along. At the time, Twig Branch was considered the smallest quarterback in all of college football. Came in about 125, 125 pounds. And, uh, you know, played his high school football down in Pascagoula. He was originally from Salus, Mississippi played his high school football down there, and then won a scholarship to play at Pearl River Community College. And so uh, so he goes there and then ultimately gets a chance to come play at Mississippi State, as little as he was, and became a bit of a um, phenomenon himself. It's uh, 125 pounds was his official weight pretty incredible thing about this won the state championship at pearl river and then came on to mississippi state and ultimately won the starting job 
it's pretty crazy to think that uh, you know Twig was also the junior college player of the year at 120 pounds, 125. Excuse me. According to uh, media reports at the time, again, the uh, smallest quarterback, and uh, you know beat Tennessee, beat LSU, beat Georgia. It's pretty incredible to think about. You know, there's always these guys out there, you know, that uh, that have these great stories, and so. Twig has written a book called Zero to Hero. Now, of course, I want you to buy my books too, but I don't want you to just buy my books. Now, this is a guy that has some great stories about playing on a 49 and, and uh, 1950 teams at Mississippi State. And so if you're looking for some more Mississippi State history-type stuff, because, you know, Dogpile will be out later this year, and you can order your copies at dogpiletobook.com. You can also get uh, you know, Flim Flam, Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs. But uh, you're kind of outside of the Robertson writing tree there there's twig branch and so i'm gonna encourage you maybe give that book an opportunity uh twig is like 91 years old and so this is kind of his memoirs of playing high school football and uh playing at prc and of course playing at mississippi state and uh it's you know it's crazy to think about the fact that we've got so many of these people that are still around and then they're sharing this knowledge and their experiences. And so I'm so glad that he wrote the memoirs. I have not read it yet. I saw it yesterday at Book Martin Cafe downtown, right across from my books. It's right there. So while you're picking up my stuff, you can look at his. But I uh, played for Slick Morton, uh, I guess in 1551. I think that's correct. But, um, you know, we had we had some wins. You know, it's, it's like you look at this stuff, uh, 1950, you know, we, we had we beat LSU, beat Auburn, beat Tennessee. Seven nothing game there, you know, and so with the smallest quarterback in, in college football, it's kind of interesting. And he has his own website, so if you'd like to go visit twigbranch.com, I'll give you a quick little bio here. There's a couple of things on here. Uh, Twig was nominated three times for back of the week after wins over Tennessee in 50, LSU 50, and Georgia in 51. So he played 15 51, my mistake. And here's the story they give about the, the, the legend of the Twig is that Fortunato said one day after practice, Fortunato looked up to him and said, hey, what's your name? He goes, I look up at that big monster and said, Branch, sir. <laughs> he looked back at me and says, you ain't nothing but a twig. And that's great. That's how nicknames generally work. Twig was inducted into the Mississippi State Sports Hall of Fame, the Pearl River Community College Sports Hall of Fame, and the Mississippi Community and Junior College Sports Hall of Fame. After a stint in the Navy, he enjoyed his own season of pouring into young men as the head of high school football coach for the Picayune Maroon Tide. Sports aside, Twig counts his greatest accomplishments as his faith in his family, the joy of being a husband, father, and Papa and grandpa have created a whole new meaning to glory days. Twig currently resides in Picayune, Mississippi with his wife, Dana, where they enjoy good time for their children, grandchildren, great children, and community of friends. So go check him out. Somebody from our history, part of our Mississippi State sports legacy. And again, that's book. the book is from zero to hero, and that's because not because he was a loser by any stretch. You could wear zero back then. And so, the, you know, they just put that rule back in where you could start wearing it again. But Twig wore the number zero. And so that's kind of how it became, uh, you know, part of the uh, the title there. So go check that out again. I kind of thumbed through it a little bit yesterday. And, uh, and so there are a lot of people, of course, that maybe have played for Coach Branch or played with Coach Branch, may remember him. Uh, from being down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So if you're looking to kind of get some more information about that, uh, again, that's twigbranch.com to get information about Twig. But you can find that book locally, and I'm sure all great bookstores in Mississippi can get that for you. 
Uh, but I know downtown, I think Campus Bookmart and Bookmartin Cafe both have it. So I'd encourage you to go check that out if you're looking for some reading material while you're waiting for Dogpile to come out. I always want to throw a bone to our other Mississippi State folks whenever we can. I believe in supporting Bulldogs because Bulldogs should support each other. Good, bad, or indifferent, good times and bad. You know, we're still a family. There's so much of that that goes on. It, it's so easy to get caught up in the emotions of the moment sometimes and kind of forget who we are. And that's not to say that we accept negative results. That's not to say that we expect negative things. I'm not one of those people. I know there's a lot of people out there that you kind of have this poor old Mississippi State mentality. I'm not one of those people. I expect more. I think we have a chance to be successful in all fields of play. Uh, do I think we win an AFL championship in football? I don't know. I think we can compete and really get to some elite bowl games, but I think we've got to take some steps as a program and find some more consistency. And this has really nothing to do with Mike Leach, but really, you know, even going back in our history, you know, the financial commitment that we have made for football uh, in the last decade or so is unparalleled in our school's history. And it's, so it's not just baseball. It's like I read some of those comments sometimes, and I know it's just people that are kind of caught up in the moment being a little bit smarmy, but – you know, football is not hurting for resources by any stretch of the imagination. There's no way we're deferring to baseball uh, over football. And uh, just because we go out and built the greatest cathedral in all of college baseball doesn't mean that we're doing it at the expense of football. All right, well, that's going to do it for today, man. Thanks so much for your time. Hope you guys have a great week. And for those of you that are traveling to the College Station this weekend, be careful out there. A lot of our Bulldogs that we only get to see when we go out there to South Texas. We're looking forward to seeing all you guys. And uh, no book signing for me this weekend, but I will be back uh, next week when we're home again, and uh, we'll be downtown. Maybe some other stuff. Just I'm not trying to do a whole lot because I know what's going to happen once we get into um, once we get into the dog pile book release and book tour. Going to be a lot of stuff going on with that, and I will probably be signing pretty much every day, trying to get out and get things done all over the great state of Mississippi, and so. I'm kind of pacing myself a little bit, knowing that those days are coming. So probably recording some boneyards from the road uh, during the month of December. Don't know how much time I'll be at home, but uh, look forward to getting out and seeing all your smiling faces. And again, visit dogpilethebook.com to pre-order those copies. Um, we'll give you a delivery date once we have it. But uh, again, everybody's guaranteeing me we'll, you know, we'll have it to you before Christmas. And so just hang in here with us and we'll get it done. I know a lot of people are thinking – I'd rather go to a bookstore. Let me tell you, here's some things you need to know. You know, when we put out our initial order into the the publisher, they said, hey, we're gonna, it's going to be difficult for us to meet that due to supply and demand of paper. So there will be a second printing, but there's no guarantee. We're not going to get it for the second printing before Christmas. We'll get our initial printing uh, before Christmas, and then we'll do some things, obviously, for the spring and for baseball season. And, you know, there'll be a lot of life for this book. But if you want to make sure that you've got a copy of Dogpile under the tree for your Bulldogs and your family, you need to order dogpilethebook.com. I've had several bookstores tell me that they're already putting their list together. They already got their, you know, pre-orders to their bookstore. And I appreciate you guys supporting them. But if you're an out-of-stater or even if you're an in-stater, if you're an online shopper, go to dogpilethebook.com. You pre-order through the website, you're guaranteed to get a book. If you wait to two days or a week before Christmas and you think you're going to walk in Lemuria Books and get a copy of Dogpile, you're probably just kind of deceiving yourself. All right, listen, we look forward to being with you guys. And uh, it's we're two and two. We should be three and one, could be four and oh. But you know what the flip side of it is? We could be one and three. But uh, we are where we are. we got to figure out a way to go win some football games. And uh, my hope is Mike Leach and those guys will get it together. Got to make a move here pretty soon. Head to campus and uh, attend a Mike Leach presser. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.